It's good to see you. You can be seated for a moment. My name is Jeff Eaton. I'm the pastor here. And if you're a guest, I'd, at the end of the service, I'd love to have a time to be able to meet with you. I'll be here in this area here, so I'd love to get to know you. We're going to be using John chapter 15, uh, verse 5 today. And uh, we use this in new member training. It's going to be a big teaching in our series of Experiencing God that's written by Henry Blackaby. Uh, as a pastor for 36 years, this is one of the most anointed teachings that I know of. I, I've seen a lot of them. It's amazing, these seven essential truths that we should be living by in our life, in our kingdom life, and I pray that you'll be a part of this. If you're not going to be here, listen to the podcast. Keep up with what we're doing. Don't just think, ah, you know, it's not going to hurt me to skip a Sunday. Keep up with this, okay? Because we want to we keep you focused in on what we're teaching here and what we're doing. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces fruit, much fruit. Because you can do nothing without me. A key to all this is making sure the branch stays connected to the tree. If that happens, incredible things are going to happen in and around your life, okay? I only know one person who wants you disconnected from the tree, and that's our enemy. And uh, speaking of that, thankful for Logan preaching last Sunday. I heard he had you punching demons in the face after, after it's all over with last Sunday. So uh, we're grateful for Logan to be able to fill in. We fulfilled a ministry I've been a part of. I actually helped start it 31 years ago at Lake Cumberland, and we call it Lake Church. It's at Jamestown Resort Marina. We took a survey, about 15, 1,800 people are there on a weekend. So we decided to plant a lake church there in 1992. And I know it can sound like that's just 30 years, but depending on when we started it, uh, it, it ends up coming up to close to 31 years. So on Labor Day, we start on Memorial Day, and every Sunday, Throughout, we're faithful. We don't leave it. We stay faithful to it. We have a service there on the lake, and then it goes to Labor Day. And so uh, since I've moved from there, which was in 1994, um, I have uh, been closing out the summer of our ministry there. So that's where, uh, that's where I was last Sunday, and Logan was preaching, and we're thankful for all that uh, we're able to do and the ministry that you're a part of that you may not even know that you're a part of in uh, doing Lake Church there on the lake. We're going to be looking and starting a series called Reset. And it is uh, resetting and, and uh, arranging and adjusting your life to the point that you, uh, you are experiencing the Lord and his great invitation to us. Um, John 15, 5 is where we begin about the branch that is connected to the tree. And uh, if you do that, you're going to bear much fruit. Uh, we uh, are going to be challenging you over and over, and you're going to be hearing this over and over and over. And that is, God is going to give you a personal invitation to join him. Not, not just us. Don't the, us, us, get off the us and look at the personal invitation for you to be able to join him in the work that he is doing. And we're going to hit this in a moment. He's uh, always at work, and he asks us to come and join. If, uh, if we have a, a mentality or even a theology that's like, I ask God to come where I am, is, uh, is really can be a foreign theology. It is, he's always leading us to where he is. He's the good shepherd. 
And the shepherd, a good shepherd, is always ahead of his sheep. And he's leading us there. Now, in the 23rd Psalm, which can be referred to as a shepherd psalm, when you go through the valley of the shadow of death, he does come and give you the personal escort. In the picture of the prodigal son, who is wayward in a way, he comes back to his father, and his father sees him and draws near to him. It doesn't mean we don't have a God that's not moving, but he's always leading us. He's leading us to where he is. You have to get that picture in your mind. You have to get that. If you're going to get this, you have to get that. That he is leading us to where he is and he gives us a personal invitation. Um, I love the teaching of uh, experiencing God. Uh, I'm going to have to give the props. Now there are some things that I'm going to add into uh, when I'm doing my preaching, but the majority of this is coming from knowing and doing the will of God, experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. I hope you've ordered. Uh, you, you probably got another week to be able to keep up, but we've been giving you a, a chance to uh, order these things and to be able to use. I had a guy in our first service. He said, I've, I've got my own personal group together, which I've told you to do, of about five or six men uh, that meet on Tuesday nights. And he said, we're going through your sermon on Sunday, and then we're going through the book uh, during the week. Go do that. You hear me? Go do that. I've, I've blessed that already. Not that I have to, but I have, if you need my blessing. Put those things together and let's learn and study. If you do this, there's going to be an adjustment in your life. And there needs to be an adjustment in your life. Uh, and there are people going, well, there, there doesn't need to be an adjustment in my life. That's exactly who needs the adjustment. And you, if you learn this, you adjust your life to answer the invitation of God and to join him in this work. Personally, for Julie and me, uh, God used this study to lead us here. We were in a great, loving relationship with the church that we were in. Things, things couldn't have been better. Uh, for those in business meeting, I was there for almost eight years. We had... we. We did not have a recorded no vote in any of our business meetings. And we had a lady that kept minutes like you can't believe, you know. Uh, God was working and moving. We had moved to a new house for us out uh, toward the alligator docks, if you know where that is in Lake Cumberland. And uh, I, it's one of the first times outside Julie and me being married that I didn't live in a parsonage. And we had a home for our own family. We loved that place. We, things were going good. Julie was in this Bible study experiencing God. I'd been going through it uh, with a group of pastors together. And I remember one afternoon I was laying on Laura's daybed, which that alone is a miracle of God, you know, in uh, her little daybed. And um, I was laying there and just trying to rest, really not trying to nap. Julie, if you know my Julie, she journals every day. Uh, she, she's writing out her, her Bible stuff, her Bible studies and her thoughts. And so she had uh, this Experiencing God book that we've asked you to get. And the, the edges are all bent and ratted and turned over and she's written in it all over. And she says, you know, God is asking us to join him in the work in this area. You know he's doing that. And I go, I do know that, but I don't like it. And I didn't like it. I, I love you all now, <laughs> uh, but I did not want to be here. 
I had a great place of service. They still love us. That church loves us unbelievably. In fact, in the early service, there's a young lady, she and her husband are moving back here. And uh, Julie, I'm talking about Lindsay Morrison, Lindsay Graves. And uh, they were in our first service and they're moving back here. And I pastored her when she was just a little bitty girl. And uh, it's just incredible to see her and her two boys here this morning as they're moving back. Wonderful relationship with this church. And God's like, I want you to move to Lawrenceburg. And I, I want you to know that uh, I told, I knew God was going to have me to plant a church. I just didn't know exactly when. And I had all that discussion. When First Baptist was leading me here, I didn't hide it from them. I didn't think I'm not going to tell them and then let them know down the road. I told them right off before they even called me here, God's going to use me to plant a church. I was just open about that and, and fresh about that, that God was going to do it. And I believe God led Julie and me here to plant this church and, to, and for you guys and to challenge you. I've got to challenge you. I can't, just, I can't just always hug you and pamper you, okay, even though I like doing that. I've got to challenge you to go on with the Lord and experiencing him. And you're going, well, I'm experiencing God. Well, great. Let's experience him in a deeper way. Let's, let's get a little bit deeper in this and continue to go into a more intimate relationship with the Lord. So uh, Julie and I, we, when we do this study, we're, it's fresh with us that God used this study to invite us here and he's working here and to join him in this work. What I wanna, I, I'm, I'm gonna tell you some things that I always mention to you, but I want you to listen closely. Because uh, some of you will come here and you're going, well, listen, we want the church menu. Uh, we want more programs. We want more of this. And, and you know that I've gone away from that, intentionally gone away from that. And let me tell you why. If, you're, if, if we become a busy church, it doesn't, mean, it doesn't mean that we are walking with the Lord like we should. Just because I can have you on campus for this or... It doesn't mean we're doing what we need to be doing. Uh, bigger menus and more programs and a busier church life uh, does, not, does not always represent that we are experiencing God. Let me remind you to uh, the Ephesus church in the book of Revelation. It was a busy church, a formative church. And it said that they've lost their first love. Jesus says you've lost your first love in this. So... You may be coming here looking, I want to plug in here and you want to plug in there. That's fine. We can have that conversation. But I want you on a personal level to hear God's invitation for you, not just us, but for you. And, and how do you adjust your life to be able to join him in that work? Because it will take an adjustment for you. It will take an adjustment for you to be able to join him in that work, there will be this invitation from God. Now, I want you to hear this. Uh, a conservative figure this next week will be 100 churches in our nation will close their doors permanently. And don't think it's not happening. It's happening in counties around us. And some of these churches are over 200 years old. Uh, I know one recently in a city not too far from us that uh, a church disbanded. I know there's a movement called revitalization where uh, people are coming in and trying to get two or three churches to merge together just to be able to make it. 
So um, the data is showing us that the busier our churches get, the data is showing us that our baptisms and the lostness of America is at an all-time, the lostness of America is at an all-time high and baptisms are getting to an all-time low. So we can't gauge by going the busier we are on campus, meeting here, meeting there, grouping there, fellowshipping there, that, that, that it's, it's going to make the kingdom grow. The data is showing us that the numbers are going the other way. So if you're doing the math, a conservative figure is 100 churches. That means 5,200 churches in this year will close their doors uh, and one of the keys is church planning, which we've all been a part of here at Hope. And I just told you about that in Thailand. You know, we've planted a church off of UK's campus with my son and uh, Kurt Vernon. And it's doing incredibly well. But it's really trying to get people into that personal relationship. I, I really, more than you being in a group, and I have this argument with some of you all many times, okay? More than you being in a group, I want you connected to the tree. I want the branch connected to the tree. If the branch is connected to the tree, the scriptures doesn't say we will produce some fruit. Tell me what it says. Much fruit. Now ask me if I feel pushback from you. Go ahead and ask me. I do. Thanks for asking. I do. You know why? Because you're not used to being alone with God. And everybody you're going to read about in the Old Testament that did incredible things, guess what they were used to? Guess what they were used to? This is romper room. I'm Captain Kangaroo. I'm Mr. Green Jeans. I'm whatever you want me to be up here. Guess what they're used to? They are used to being alone with God and hearing his invitation. Some of you are involved in Gideon ministry, and I'm, I'm proud of you for that. Uh, and Julie and I taught for Gideon's International for, for right 12 years. God, we love the Gideon. I can't be a Gideon because I'm a pastor. It's for business and professional people. And uh, it, was, it wasn't started by a church. It was started by two guys who had to stay in the same room. They were, they were traveling salesmen. They didn't know each other. There was a logging convention. All the rooms were, uh, all the, no vacancy hardly. A guy that needed to spend the night, uh, they said, well, there's a guy by himself. Let me call and see if he minds sharing your room. They did. Uh, they got to talking, and one of them said, I made a promise to my mom that I'd always have a devotion and a prayer before I went to bed. And the guy, he says, do you mind? The other guy says, no, I don't mind. And uh, so they ended up having the devotion together, and those two men started Gideon's International. It wasn't started by a program in a church. It wasn't started by some pastor who had an idea to have Bibles placed in hotels and motels, hospitals, fifth graders, college students, to all those uh, nurses when they graduate, military when they're deployed, and they came together. Wh what happened that night? That night, God divinely brought two people together. God was working. This is what God wanted to have done. He invited those two guys to be a part of it. And now God's scripture is placed all over the world because two men heard the invitation from God and responded to it. It wasn't started by a church program or a preacher. 
I want you to get out of your head that it's got to be started by a preacher or a church program. Excuse me. Maybe I did mean to slap that. I don't know. We'll, we'll figure it out here in a minute. All right? I am intending to spit a little bit. You know, you don't get to preach until you spit in just a little bit. So you hear what I'm saying? God invites you. And you're going to hear that on a personal note. God's got some things that he wants you to join him in. And let me remind you, when he asks you to join you, uh, you to join him in this, it'll be something that only God can put together and do. The whatever you attempt in that will only be him. So you're going, hey, preacher, I want more menu. I want more campus stuff. I want more programs. I'm just telling you now, you're not going to get it from me. I have got to teach you to be alone with God and listen to his personal invitation into your life and let him invite you into where he's working and watch what he accomplishes in and through you. I can't wait for that to click in your mind. But we are so geared and so conditioned that it's gotta happen on campus or it's gotta happen in this or it's gotta happen in that. And I'm saying is we gotta learn for the personal invitation of the Lord. Are y'all getting this? Are y'all shutting me out? Are y'all opening up? Which way you going? Cause I, I'll need to know how many more times to slap this thing up here, all right? So, um, so God's gonna give this invitation. Uh, you're gonna be seeing something from us before too long. Let me give you just a couple of illustrations or examples here. And uh, I've, I've asked the Lord many times how to navigate this, this uh, culture, especially post-COVID culture, because it's different and it changes so rapidly. I know you see it. I know you run into it in your business where you work, your own family, and we do too as well as a church. And this is something I believe God has given me uh, to give to you. And that is that um, we're gonna be looking, when we, you join our church or you go through new member training, we ask you to fill out a uh, spiritual gift inventory. And it's written by C. Peter Wagner. And the reason I do that one is because it's more detailed. It doesn't have the gifts that God gives us all clumped together, it's more separated. There's more of them. And uh, I, uh, you're gonna be hearing things like this. If you believe that you have a hospitality gift, then I want to meet with you after the service. And Amy's going to take your name down. And we may meet with people who think they have a hospitality gift for two or three Sundays in a row. And then we're going to put that group together and we're going to meet as a group that, that believe they either know or they think they have one. And then I'm, we're going to say, okay, how can you use your gift in our area? Not, not necessarily just in our church. How can you use your gift in our area around us uh, to be able to reach people, the 90% that are not connected to the Lord whatsoever? Uh, I may bring up, if you believe that you have intercessory prayer as a gift, obviously, that's an easy one. We'll gather you together, but uh, it'll be more than men on 7.30 on Sunday morning and women at six o'clock on Monday night. It'll be praying for awakening and praying for people to be saved. It won't just be praying for my ingrown toenail. Do you all listening to me? Hello. Uh, You can go to podiatrist for that ingrown toenail, okay? Uh, And 
it's, it's about intercessory prayer of getting down to the business and, and realizing prayer can absolutely be a method of war, of coming together. How, how do we do that? Now, uh, Lynn Sweet is a man that I've read. I know him personally. He's known as a futurist. He's way out there. He's more metropolitan than he is a rule. And uh, I, uh, I, I've, I've read just about everything he's ever written. Uh, but he, he considers himself a futurist, which means he's out there. I was in a conference with him in Louisville and uh, about 1,800 people at the conference. And he led us to create small circles in the congregation. He said, let's just make some circles that represent the church. And naturally, we all, grew, we all grabbed hands and we formed a circle like we know to form a circle, right? Just facing inward. And he said, this is the problem. Your condition to, your idea of the church in a circle is you're holding hands and facing inward. He said, if you really want to be a circle that looks like the church, you should group hands and face outward. But we are conditioned to think inward all the time. And this is where I get the pushback. is because I'm trying to get you to think outward all the time. So he said a true circle that represents the church is holding hands and facing outward, not holding hands and facing inward. This specific church had beautiful stained glass windows. One where it's Jesus being the shepherd and he finds the lost sheep. Beautiful work of art. Unbelievable. One of it is Jesus praying on that rock with that sunbeam coming down on him. You all know what I'm talking about? Beautiful, beautiful work of art. But he said, the problem is the only people who can see these stained glass windows and know what they are are the people who are inside the church. He said, the people who drive by just see different colored windows because the images are not cast on the outside. The images are cast on the inside. Do you see how we think? Do you see why there can be pushback? Because we're so conditioned to everything happening on campus, we're so conditioning to happen, everything happening in a group that we don't understand or have the experience of being alone with God, seeking him, hearing his invitation and responding to it and remember everything he will ask you to do, the only way it can be accomplished is that he do it. He's asking you to attempt to do something that only he himself can make happen. And I wanna be able to see that happen in your life. We get caught up in the title, knowing and doing the will of God. Uh, and we get caught up in the knowing because that's how we're conditioned. We're conditioned for information and for data uh, to take it in and to knowing. Even scripture says, we, we'll get to a point, we'll get to generations and we may be there where we crave knowledge, but we miss the truth. We're just seeking knowledge, but we don't seek the truth. While in the title, knowing and doing the will of God, you may focus on the word knowing, but I'm gonna be your preacher and counteract you. I'm gonna focus on the word doing. You gotta do it. It's not just something to think about. You gotta do it. It's knowing and doing the will the will of God. I can remember, I didn't say this at the first service, I can remember... Uh, working in the summers uh, to pay for school, to have money for, for the semesters coming ahead. And uh, I, I, I can remember that, the, you know how you live in a certain area and you know there are certain jobs in the summertime and they're the best paying ones. And I can remember, I would always pray. I'd, I'd ask the Lord for help. He wants you to ask him for help. 
And I, I didn't do this in a group. I didn't do it in my Sunday school class. I'd be alone in my dorm room and I'd pray. And I'd say, Lord, you know what I need for school. You know what I need. And, and uh, I'm going to seek out these jobs because there's availability. And I want you to leave. Man, I, I would land some of the neatest jobs and the highest paying jobs in the summertime. And I know the Lord gave them to me. I know that. I mean, but you know why I know that? Because he was the only one I was telling. I mean, it, it, this is what will blow your mind. Where you're alone in a deep, intimate relationship with the Lord, that he's the only one you tell. Because you know he is your source. And it happens, and you're going to go, well, I didn't do it. And nobody else did it because I didn't tell anybody but the Father. You know, that is mind-blowing. Just go, will you do that? Y'all not even obedient on mimicking, are you? Just, <laughs> just boom, man. I mean, it's unbelievable how we can push back from being alone with him, and I'm gonna challenge you that all the time. We collect information, we collect data, we have those aha moments, but I want you to have those moments where you're, you're, you're doing the will of God and you're seeing what he does. Blackaby wrote this, real Christianity is not merely a religion. It's a relationship with a person. So we're not gonna be talking on the religion basis. It's a relationship with a person. Billy Graham said this about religion. He said, religion is man's way to get to God, but Christianity is God's way to get to a man. It's a lot different. And uh, this relationship is with a real person. He's alive and well. His name is Jesus. And uh, he reveals his will. God reveals his will to us. Gives us an invitation to join him and uh, where he's working. And it's an obedient step. And on this step, we will know God more intimately and we will begin to experience him. I'm telling you, this is possible for you. But before we get to all that, we've got to get to a starting point. And a starting point is that you have to have a relation with Jesus Christ. And we have to have first things first. Um, I'd, I'd be remiss to you if I told you that I prayed for certain people to be here this morning. Just to hear this. I prayed, I asked Julie to pray. I said, Julie, there are certain people, I want to hear this. And I want you to pray that they're here because to do anything that I've mentioned so far, the first thing that has to happen is you have to have a relationship with Jesus. I don't know how many of you all know what's referred to as the Roman road of salvation. I was taught it when I was a boy in uh, it really in student ministry when I was in high school by my youth pastor. And uh, it's called the Roman Road of Salvation. And it begins with Romans 3.23. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You're going, okay, I understand that. We all have. The word sin is the word harmatia. And uh, for those people who are outdoorsy people like me, it is the picture of somebody taking an, a bow, which in that day and time would not have been a Matthews compound bow, but would have been a bow and an arrow. And uh, they're shooting at a target. And along with this verse, the target would be the glory of God. 
In the, the word hamartia or the word sin means you fall short of that. In other words, you're going after the target and it falls short. And the arrows is falling short of the target. And you're going, well, there's a gap between where the arrows landed and the target. Well, that, that's a picture. This is a picture of the gospel. So we've got this gap. I aimed at the glory of God and I missed it. Uh, but here's what happens. There is somebody who makes up the gap. His name is Jesus. He takes where I have fallen short in the glory of God and stands in the gap of that. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, all of us. And I want you to hang on to the word sin here. It's very important, but it's missing the mark. I have aimed at the bullseye, I've fallen short, but we have this great gap and what does God do? He sends Jesus to stand in that gap between us. He makes up the difference. Romans 6, Romans 6, 23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want you to pay attention to the word wage. I want you to pay attention to the word gift. And I want to handle the gift part first. Everything the Father gives you, he will give to you through his son Jesus. Everything. Everything. If you come and ask to borrow something straight to me, I don't know what I'll do. But if you came and say, Andrew said I could have it, I'm probably going to give it to you. Okay? And if you don't know, Andrew's my son. He gives everything. The Father gives everything to us through his son. And eternal life is a gift. We have aimed at the glory of God, the bullseye. We have fallen short. And Jesus comes in and makes up the gap. That's the gospel. And he takes where I have fallen short in the glory of God, which I was aiming, and he fills in the gap for us. And because, because we surrender to him and all that he has done, eternal life is a gift. He paid the price for it. It's a gift. He has given it to you. But if you don't surrender to that, then you're going to pay a wage. And the word wage here is like a paycheck you're gonna or you're gonna write a check there is a payment for sin and it is death and i want to remind you of something about hell the 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 teaching of hell in scripture a lot of people think i'm going to go to hell with my buddies and we're just going to have a big old time i, I want to give you a a biblical picture of hell is a place of separation which is what this word means you're separated from god and you're isolated from everybody else in the teaching of Jesus with the rich man and Lazarus, hell was a place where he kept saying, I, 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 I. He didn't say we, we, we. He said I. And there's a separation of people and a separation from God. If, if Listen, when somebody is captured in a military sense, one of the first things that happen in captivity as a POW is they separate you from everybody else. It becomes a place of isolation. And hell becomes that. Now, here's the point I want to make to you. Some people in this room may be thinking that, you know, Jeff, that's your belief, that's good, you're convinced and you're confident in it and all that stuff and that's well and good. It's not for me. Listen to me. Listen to me. I, I preach because I love you. I warn you because I love you. If I didn't love you, I would just let you go. You know, get out of my yard. You know what I'm saying? 
If I didn't love you, I wouldn't warn you. If I didn't love you, I'd just let you go. But God has called me to warn you. Not only encourage you and challenge you, but to warn you. Your sin is going to be paid for one of two ways. You're either going to accept the sacrifice of Jesus for your sins, or you're going to pay for them yourself. I don't think people get that sometimes in today's world. They're just thinking, I wake up to a new day, I got a new job, got a new truck, got a new, and I believe in trucks, I just won't say car, okay? I got a new this, I got a new that, everything's, let me tell you something. If you have not accepted the surrender and the grace of God that he's given to us through Christ and him dying for your sins, if you have not let Jesus pay for them, then you will pay for them. They will be paid. R.G. Lee, pastor of the great Bellevue Church outside of Memphis in, in Germantown on I-40 as you go in on the left. Adrian Rogers, pastor at church, other people have too. And uh, R.G. Lee was, uh, preached a Wednesday night devotional to his people and he entitled it Payday Someday and it was just a little devotion. It turned out to be the sermon he preached the most. He preached it over 1,200 times on request. I uh, had it copyrighted, and it was a pay, it was a sermon called Payday Someday. You, you, you're going to pay. You know what they say in eastern Kentucky? If you're going to dance, you got to pay the fiddler. Uh, the picture here is you got to get it, all right? If you accept what Jesus has done, people are like, well, you don't accept Jesus. Yes, you do. You accept what he has done. You accept his sacrifice for the penalty of, I'm either letting Jesus pay for my sins or I will pay for them by myself. But listen to me, our sins will meet a payday. Do you understand? You, you can't just skirt around them. And if you die without Christ, you're gonna be alone for the rest of your entire life, eternity. There's not, what one, one great preacher, Evie Hill, had a sign, hell has no exits. <laughs> And uh, there is no exit. You're going to be there and you're going to be there forever. You're going, hey, preacher, why are you doing this? Well, I, listen, I, I believed uh, as a kid, as a little boy, I, I, knew, I knew life. I knew I had it all figured out, you know. And I figured out I was going to heaven because my dad was the preacher. And I lived on the church campus. I was in the parsonage. And, you, you know, if you live on the church campus and your dad's the preacher, surely to goodness you're going to heaven, Right. Old country preacher by the name Ansel Durrett, nicknamed Bug, came in and preached. Sarah, I know you're laughing back there. And uh, he preached on hell, and I was a little boy, and I was listening to that sermon, and the Lord invited me. He gave me a personal invitation. Jeff, I know you believe you're going to get to heaven through your daddy, but it's the wrong daddy. You, uh, I will lead you to the Father. And the only way you're going to get to the Father is through me. And the Father will give you the gift of eternal life and it will come through me. And that night, I heard an invitation from God himself. I wasn't in a group, I was by myself. And he just said, listen, I want you to connect the branch to the tree. I want you to live. There are things I want to do in and through you. And we respond to that invitation. I want you to hear me today. Sin will not go unpunished. You're either going to let Jesus receive the wrath of God for you or you're going to receive it yourself. That's just the way it goes. And then 
We use Romans 5.8, which goes on to explain what I just said. And again, this is the Roman road. But God proves his own love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He paid the penalty for our sin. Either you will or he will. One of the two. Romans 10, 9, 10, and 13. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Listen, the resurrection is very important to God. The power that raised him is the power that says you must believe in the resurrection. You will be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, uh, resulting in salvation. Verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You remember the Apostles' Code we went through between uh, Easter and Pentecost? O.S. Hawkins had one of the teachings in there about the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And let me remind you, the Father is the source. He is always at work, always. And he just invites you to join him in that work. The Son is the course. He's the way, the truth, and the life. In fact, the early church was known as the church of the way. You're people of the way because he is the course. Jesus is the way. And then the Holy Spirit is the force. I like that one. So the Father is the source, the Son is the course, and the Holy Spirit is the force. He is your guide, he is your counselor. He's not only walking beside you, he's living in you. And I, I, wanna, tune, I wanna see you and I wanna challenge you to be tuned in to what the Holy Spirit is asking you to do. Asking you to do, even to say in very difficult things, that spiritual 911 that we teach. Just have those conversations. Figure out what you need to do in your own marriage, in your own life, and parenting your own children. The Holy Spirit knows your spouse and your kids better than you do. Don't ever walk around thinking that you know them better than he does. He knows them better than you do. And we tap into that. How to treat people at the office. God, do you want me to go for this promotion or not? Hey, Lord, we love living in Russell Springs. I love pastoring First Baptist. But why in the world do you want me to go in Lawrenceburg? But he did, and he gave us an invitation. I'm working there, Jeff, and I want you and Julie to join me there. And we did, and I'm glad that we did. But he sent me here to warn you that if you don't let Jesus pay for your sins, you will. And he also gave me the challenge to make you understand he wants a deeper personal relationship than whatever you're having right now. You're going, I'm fine. Well, he, he wants it to go deeper. And we need to learn how to do that. And he will give you this incredible invitation. It's a beautiful invitation for us to be able to join him using ordinary people like me and like you. Let's pray together. Father, I pray over our people today. Lord, for those who are here today and they have never surrendered to your sacrifice for their sin, today, Lord, I pray that they are saved. Save them. Let them know like you did me. I'll pay for it if I don't let you because our sins will be paid for. And I pray, Lord, that you call, that you call some people home to you, their hearts home to you. Lord, for those of us who know you, I pray today that we will give a great big thanks when we sing our next song today. 
We give a thanks during this invitation that you saved us and you paid the penalty for our sins. Lord, I, I pray one that you hear a cry from them to be saved. And Lord, for the rest of us, I pray that you hear a great big thank you from us for all that you've done for us. We surrender to you a deeper life, a more intimate life, a life that's willing and ready to obey. And we thank you for all that you have done to set that in course. You're the indescribable gift. And we say thanks. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. Church, the invitation is this. Whosoever will, for whatever reason, you come. Steve, you come. Those who are, come, who are gonna be in the, in the altar, you come. Our altar counselors, will you do that right now? Let me see who, who's gonna be there. Come. Amy, thank you. Jenny, you all come. These people are here to receive you today, to pray with you to surrender your life to the Lord. Let, that, let today be today. It's an incredible journey. No turning back, you know what I'm saying? This is an incredible life and I'm thankful for it. So the invitation is, whosoever will, for whatever reason, you come. Church, let's stand. Logan and the team's gonna lead us. You respond, you come.